This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Siobhan Moore and McFarlane. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday, 19th of September. In your Squiz today, a final farewell for the Queen, Albanese meets King Charles, Japan on high alert, and taking a deep breath. This is your Squiz today. Claire, all weekend there was footage of incredibly long queues of people waiting to see the Queen's coffin, but after 10 official days of mourning, Queen Elizabeth will make her final journey today. It's really got that feeling like we're living through history, doesn't it? Uh, So using Aussie Eastern time, at 7.44pm, her coffin will be taken from the Palace of Westminster to Westminster Abbey. And at 8pm, which is 11am local time, there's going to be a one-hour service and that involves the 2,000 invited guests. That ends with the last post and a two-minute silence and that's going to be observed across the UK. And then there's the national anthem, God Save the King. Of course, there's a change in lyric there. Uh, And at 9.15pm, the Queen's Coffin will travel in a public procession to the Wellington Arch. Yes, and of course, the funeral is only part of today's proceedings. After it gets to Wellington Arch, the coffin will be placed into a new state hearse that the Queen helped to design with a lot of glass so people can see into it. And then it will be driven to Windsor Castle. Yeah, and once they get there, there's a service that will be held in St George's Chapel, which is on the grounds of Windsor Castle. That's at 1am our time tomorrow morning, and that's followed by a private burial service at 4.30am. The Queen will be interred with her husband, Prince Philip. Uh, That's in the King George VI Memorial Chapel, uh, alongside her father, her mother, and the ashes of her sister, Princess Margaret. Uh, The thing to know is the Queen was in the driver's seat of every ash of what will be one of the biggest public events ever held in the country and it's expected to be watched by billions of people around the world. Yeah, it's going to be a really big day, that's for sure. There's also going to be a lot of dissection about what the Queen's death means for the future of the royals. But for today, the Dean of Westminster, Dr David Hoyle, says we should remember that it's a funeral. It's for a grieving family and personal sorrow is at the heart of this. And if you're thinking about watching it all tonight, you can do that on every free-to-air channel except the 10 Network. Claire, before we finish up on all things royal, we should note that one of the dignitaries attending the funeral is our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. And he had a private meeting with King Charles at Buckingham Palace yesterday. Yeah, he said they spoke of the King and Queen Elizabeth's close connection to Australia. Uh, King Charles spent quite a bit of time here as a youngster and at one point he was said to be keen on being our Governor-General. But Anthony Albanese also attended Westminster Hall, where the Queen lies in state, uh, and he's held informal talks with the UK's new Prime Minister, Liz Truss. So lots of ceremonies and meetings and formal maladies as you would expect. Yes, and of course, the public grieving will continue this week, led by Prime Minister Albanese, who will return to Australia in time for Thursday's National Day of Mourning. And that will include a ceremony at Parliament House in Canberra. So we'll no doubt be revisiting this topic later this week. 
Meanwhile, Claire, life goes on in other parts of the world and authorities in Japan have issued a rare special warning for two million people to seek shelter as super typhoon Nanmadol moves north today. Nanmadol is shaping up to be a real shocker. Level four evacuation orders, which are the second highest, have been issued for those living in the southern areas of Japan after gusts of up to 270 kilometres per hour were recorded 400 kilometres east of Okinawa on Saturday. Uh, The storm is expected to move north today across the mainland uh, and that could bring landslides and major flooding. So there's lots of concerns about that and all Already there have been hundreds of flights and ferries and bullet train services cancelled across Japan. Yes, and while it's not uncommon for Japan to experience typhoons at this time of year, scientists say that climate change is increasing the frequency and severity of those storms. Claire, you know I'm a self-confessed cat lady and there's some Good news for eight big cats who've been set free in India, more than 70 years since cheetahs went extinct in the country. And Siobhan, when we were talking about your love of cats, I was expecting the smaller domestic kind. But yes, it was a big weekend for conservationists in India uh, when those cheetahs were brought to a national park in central India. They've come from Namibia and cheetahs were officially declared extinct in India in 1952. But there are 20 who are being reintroduced and there's a bid uh, to increase the population because their numbers are dwindling across the world. There's just 7,000 wild cheetahs left. Uh, They received an in-person welcome from Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, who was also celebrating a birthday. Yeah, it's not a bad present, is it? (laughs) I wouldn't mind anyway. Pretty good. (laughs) Um, It's also hoped the program will encourage ethical tourism in the area to build up local economies and protect vital ecosystems. So a win-win for everybody. Claire, it was a thrilling weekend for footy fans after a fast and frantic weekend of both AFL and NRL. We now know who's going into the AFL Grand Final and it's down to the final four in the NRL. Yeah, so we'll start with the NRL first. They're at the preliminary final stage with Parramatta to take on North Queensland uh, and it's Rabbitohs versus Penrith next weekend. Uh, The winners of those games head into the grand final. And in the AFL, we have our grand finalists. It's the Geelong Cats versus the Sydney Swans. That all happens next Saturday at the MCG. And overnight, Siobhan, the Brownlow medalist was also announced. It sure was. The winner was Patrick. Crips from Carlton. And yes, next weekend is going to be huge for AFL fans. And as I just said, I'm partial to a cat, so I guess I'm going for Geelong. (laughs) Well, you're also a Sydney cider, so you might need to have a think about that and maybe we should check in a bit later this week. (laughs) Okay, I'll have a think about it. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic Dam Copper Mine. It's happening now at BHP. 
Claire, we're early risers here at The Squiz, so we talk quite a bit about sleep and getting a good night's worth. So this study certainly caught our eye. If you're struggling to get some shut-eye due to anxiety, a US academic has some new advice for you. Yeah, it's called the 478 breathing technique. What you do is you breathe in through your nose for four counts, you hold it for seven counts, and then you breathe out through your mouth for eight counts and you make that whoosh sound. Uh, It's said to be quite meditative, uh, but there are also other benefits. Yes, what the experts say is that it can help activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for resting and digesting. And it can put the body in a state more conducive to restful sleep. That sure sounds a lot more scientific than just counting sheep. Mm, Give it a go. Squeeze the day, Claire. What are you focusing on today other than the Queen's funeral, of course? Yeah, it's hard to get past the Queen's funeral, isn't it? It's going to be in our face all day today before we get to tonight. Uh, But it's also the anniversary of New Zealand becoming the first country uh, to grant all women the right to vote. That happened in 1893. Yeah, that's a really important part of women's history. I'm going for a health issue as it's the start of headache and migraine week. As someone who gets migraines, I can assure you it's no joke. So I think it's high time we acknowledge just how debilitating they can be and how we can look after ourselves to prevent them. That's it from us today, but have a great start to your week. If you're looking to get some background on the Queen's funeral, you might want to dive into last week's Squiz Shortcut. I'll put a link to that in your episode notes in case you want to have a listen. And Claire and I will catch you again tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.